And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to the Echoes of Calvary, brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. Today, Pastor Elliot focuses on Romans chapter 6, verses 19 to 23. Spiritually speaking, there are two kinds of slavery, slavery to sin and slavery to righteousness. These slaveries are contrasted in our verses today. They are like an on-off switch. We cannot be the slave of sin and righteousness at the same time. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Now we move on to the last verses in our passage. It's two slaveries contrasted. Uh, Two slaveries contrasted. Verses 19 to 23. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now shamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Please look at the columns on your sermon outline sheets. In these columns, we will contrast slavery to sin and slavery to righteousness. Will you please notice that the slavery to sin began at our births when you were born from your mom? Slavery to sin began at our births. That's in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 6. And in contrast to this, your slavery to righteousness began at your rebirth. And that's the other point of verses 17 and 18. Moving on, what produces slavery to sin and slavery to righteousness? Look at verse 19 again. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. What produces slavery to sin and what produces slavery to righteousness? Increased wickedness produces slavery to sin. While it is increased holiness, also called sanctification, which produces slavery to righteousness. It's not that complicated. What produces slavery to sin for you and me as believers? If we let increased wickedness be part of our lifestyle. What causes us as believers to have a willing slavery to righteousness, pursuing increased holiness and sanctification, cooperating with God the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. The idea here is when you were mastered by sin, you were uncontrolled by righteousness. 
When you were mastered by sin, you were uncontrolled by righteousness. And the implication of that is now that you are mastered by righteousness, be uncontrolled by sin. Now that you as a believer can and should be mastered by righteousness, then don't be controlled by the law of sin and death. When the law of sin and death says jump, don't say how high. You like chess? The pawn of sin. The believer who is just a pawn on the chessboard of life, moved around by the law of sin and death, that believer is the enemy of righteousness. The pawn of sin is the enemy of righteousness. It is impossible to be the slave of both sin and righteousness at the same time. Impossible. It is impossible for me at the same time to be both the slave of sin and the slave of righteousness. And I go between the two nanosecond to nanosecond, to be honest with you. It's impossible to be the slave of both sin and righteousness at the same time. Impossible. This is what Matthew 6, 24 is teaching in the context of money. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. It's impossible for me or you as believers to at the same time be a slave of sin and a slave of righteousness. It's like an on-off switch. When it's on, it's not off. When it's off, it's not on. It's impossible for every Christian to be at the same time both doing the bidding of the master of sin and the bidding of the master of righteousness. On January 3rd, 1944, a long passenger train was transporting over 500 passengers near Lyon, Spain. This train was overloaded and required two engines to carry the load. One engine pulled from the front, and another engine pushed from the rear. As the train entered the El Toro tunnel, the engine in the front stalled, and the train came to a halt. The engine in the rear then reversed its thrust and tried to pull the train out of the tunnel. As the rear engine began to pull, the front engine restarted and tried to pull the train in the other direction. Neither engineer had any way to communicate with the other, and they both thought they simply needed more power. Each engine pulled with all its might, but they were unable to budge the passenger train. Finally, after several minutes, the engineers discovered the mistake and the problem, but it was too late. Hundreds of passengers died of carbon monoxide poisoning, creating one of the worst train disasters in history. Your flesh is never going to help you to have victory in Christ. The law of sin and death will never cooperate with the Holy Spirit. They are at odds. They are pulling you in opposite directions, and the question becomes, who do you listen to? Who do you obey? 
who do you present the tools of your toolbox to? Verse 21 asks a very useful question. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now shamed? For the outcome of those things is death. Isn't it so true that we are new creations in Christ and in retrospect, we fully understand that there is absolutely no benefit to the fruit which came out of our slavery to sin. My mother says that when she became a Christian, she laughed over what she once cried over and she cries over what she once laughed over. As new creation in Christ, in retrospect, you can look at your life before Christ and you can fully understand that there was absolutely no benefit to the fruit which came out of presenting yourself to be a slave to the law of sin and death. And in fact, the fruit of slavery to sin is now completely embarrassing to you, is to me, in my past. And since in verse 21, the things of which you are now ashamed probably refers to evil thoughts, which lead to evil words, which lead to evil deeds, and which lead to evil habits. The things that we are ashamed of after Christ that we had in our past are things probably like evil thoughts, which led to evil words, which led to evil deeds, and which led to evil habits. And in short, the things of which we are now ashamed boils down to the whole ugly package of our old, sinful, slavery-to-sin way of life. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and we are here at another edition of Youth Talk. And I hope this morning that as we have come together that we are ready to hear what God has to say. And we wanted to start a series talking about Jesus and culture and how Jesus impacted his culture. And we live in a world today where our culture is throwing so many things at us. And the question become, what do we do with those things? How do we respond to culture? How do we respond to worldly things? There are some times where people think that the church is just quiet on different issues. But we need to understand as a church and as Christians we need to take a stand. And as a young person, what are you doing to impact those around you? What are you doing to impact your house that you live in? And this morning, we want to talk about Jesus and culture, how we are in this world, but we need to be not of the world. We need to understand that we need not to isolate ourselves from everything of this world, but we need to penetrate this world with the gospel of Christ and tell others about Christ. And I always want to just read as we, we consider God's Word and what God's Word tells us about how we can impact the world and how we need to understand that when we impact the world, there's going to be people that don't like us. And we need to understand that in our, in our lives and as we go about life, if everyone likes us, then we're doing something wrong. Because everyone cannot like if you take a stand against things of this world, things that are evil, things that God is not pleased with. And this is what Jesus in, in, in John 15 said, and this is something that we need to understand as believers, because I think sometimes we think that we are to fit in this world. We are to be comfortable. But this is what he said in verse 18. It says this in chapter 15. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of this world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. 
Remember the word I spoke to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all things because to you on account of my name, because they don't know the one who sent me. Again, in these couple of verses, we see, first of all, as Jesus is talking, he makes it very clear that the world is going to hate you. The culture is going to hate you because we need to understand that in our world, we are not supposed to fit in. We are not supposed to just stand in and, and just be a, a shadow and just allow things to happen. But we are to take a stand. And Jesus makes it very clear that they hated him. So what makes us, as we call ourselves children of God, what makes us think that the world's not going to hate us? Now, you may say hate is a strong word. And hate is a strong word. Hate means that you strongly dislike something, that you don't want anything to do with it. And that is what Jesus is saying here, that the world is not going to want you because you're going to take a stand for what goes against, totally against the world. In verse 19, it said this, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. You see, this is the problem for us as believers, as youth, as, as we think about us as young people. We want to fit in as much as we can. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to be popular by popular. We want people to love us. We want people to accept us. And I think that this is the problem that a lot of young people face today is that they don't care about what the Bible says, but they care what their friends say, what people think about them, what the school thinks. You see, we need to understand that we are living in a culture, even in our country, where in some schools, the name of Jesus is not even able to be said. A Bible is something that you are not allowed to read. You see, we need to understand this is coming very close to the home for us. And you may be saying, well, that doesn't happen to all our schools, but it's happening in some. And who knows what can happen as, you know, we think about this, this country in the next couple of years. We as Christians need to take a stand. We as, as you as young people, you need to understand that you need to take a stand. You need to tell people that I'm going to take a stand for Christ no matter what. And let me just also say this. You need to understand that you need not to take your your parents' faith and let it be yours, but you need to have your own faith. You need to know what you believe. You need to let culture not dictate to you, but you need to let God's word as you study it daily. You see, we can't just live on what the church tells us to do, but we need to know what we need to do on our own. And that's why this verse in verse 19 is very key to what we want to think about. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. You see, the world... If the world's accepting you and they love you, that means something is contrary to what God's word tells us. You see, we need to understand that as, as we follow Christ, the world is not going to like us. The world is going to hate us. And it says this in, in that same verse, however, because you are not of this world, but I have chosen you, you are out of it. The world hates you. You see, we do live in the world. We are in this world, but we need to be not of the world. We need not to be following the patterns of the world, but we need to be different. And I think that that's the problem that we have because there are some people who take the extreme to say, well, that means I need to be isolated. I need to be shut up in my room and locked in my room and, and don't worry about what the world has to offer. But that's not true as well. We need to know what's going on around us, but we need to allow it consume us, let it control us because that's what the world wants. We need to be very careful. It's a very fine line that we need to be very careful of. You know, as I could think of in, in my life, when I was in school, you know, I, I wanted to be accepted by people. 
I did things that I knew was contrary to what the Bible said. I knew it was contrary to my beliefs. But because that's what everyone else was doing, you know, I wanted to do it. And I think that that's the, the problem that we have today, that we want this, this acceptance from everyone. And when we take a stand and when people don't like us, we feel like, you know, that something is wrong with us. But we need to understand that God is telling us that we have to be different. Verse 20 says this, Remember the word I spoke to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And I just want to just finish off with this verse, and I want us to understand something here. And it says this, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. You see, this is very key for us to understand because this is not telling us that if persecution comes your way, but it's saying that it's going to come. Because if you're following Christ and you are servant of his, they are going to persecute you. You see, we live in a world where there are places around this world that, you know, just to say the name of Jesus, it's offensive. You could, you could talk about any other religion, but when you talk about Christianity, you talk about God's word, people don't want to hear it. You could, be, you could be thrown in prison for it. You could be persecuted. You'd be killed for that. And a question for us as we consider this, and as you're a young person, as you are, are listening to this, I want to ask you a question. What are you willing to die for? Are you willing to die just so that your friends, you know, that you are accepted by your friends and you just want to follow them and do what they want and, and just survive? Or are you really willing to take a stand for Christ? And if it means death... You're willing to die for him. You see, we need to understand that's what God is calling us to do right now. He's calling us to understand that persecution is coming our way. What are you going to do as a young person? Are you going to take a stand for Christ? No matter what it means to you, whether the world hates you or not, are you willing to take a stand for him? I would challenge you this morning as you consider this that you would ask God to help you to take a stand no matter what happens to you because we know that it will be hard. But what greater joy than to take a stand for Christ and know that you have stood up for the truth and that you have done what your Father in Heaven wants you to do. This is Pastor Nicholas and you have been listening to another edition of Utah. And now, today's Ministry Spotlight. Well, this morning, I'm very pleased and thankful to the Lord to have Sister Phyllis Newby in the radio studio with me. Good morning, Sister. Good morning, Pastor Elliot. Um, how many other churches, uh, generally speaking, support you in your ministry? I have in the United States. There are quite a few others that, few churches that are... Monthly supporters yes, might not be with a huge amount, but they are. Yes. And um, there is at least one in Cayman Islands, again. You here in... Bahamas. Mm -hmm. Jamaican church, but the Jama as I told you, the Jamaican dollar is so small. To buy the American dollar, the U.S. dollar, they need fortune. So I do get funds from them, but not regular I see. funds. Or if they get it regular there, then they save it until it becomes a good amount so that they can send. Yes. Yeah. Do you ever uh, receive uh, 
short-term mission teams to you? I do. And we used to have many people coming from this church. There's a church in Haiti that was completely built by the Baptist church. Praise the Lord. Yes, a church in a place called Tamazo. Lovely. And so the, the believers are still using that building. Oh, yes, sir. That's, sure. That's wonderful. So if there was a, if there was a church leader listening to us this morning on the radio, maybe they would want to look into assisting Sister Phyllis Newby in Haiti by sending some persons to help her. Yes. Um, back to the orphans. Um, when they grow up to be young adults, uh, they, they go on their own to try to make a life with Christ? Well, the government tells me that uh, I'm supposed to put them out at 18. 18. But I told them, no, I wouldn't, because some of them at 18, they're, they're not even finished with high school. Right. So it would be impossible for them to, what would they be going to do? Most of them have no parents or anything. And so I will keep them. We agreed, the people with whom I work, we agreed that we would keep them as long as they will be obedient and behave themselves, we'd keep them until they can get something to do. I see. So we have done that with a lot of them. If you want to go when you get to 18, then that's fine with us. If you want to stay and let us help you, then that's what we have done. And we have one young man, he was not an orphan. His father is one of our pastors, but he, the, the family was so big, we decided to take one of the children. So we took this young man and he's now a doctor. He, he did his medical studies in the Dominican Republic. Mm. A, um, a group from Canada paid for him. Mm. And he is now in Taiwan specializing in tropical medicines, I think. What a lovely story yes. of love and uh, hard work on his part, I'm sure. Yes. But a lot of prayer as yes. well. Yes. That's that's wonderful. Um, I know from getting to know you as a newer pastor to Calvary Bible Church, getting to know you, appreciate you, that there's a lot that are on, is on your shoulders in terms of responsibilities. And um, I'm just wondering if you could help our listeners no, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the the heavy weight of of the responsibilities you have with your various ministries, helping with these churches, training church leaders, the orphans, the hospital? That's a lot. So, how does Phyllis have peace in that? Well, I start off by saying Phyllis has nothing to do with the hospital. Okay. It's in somebody else's hands. Okay. Um, the orphans, um, there are two groups, Mission Haiti and Hands, Heart, and Hope for Haiti. And they are more or less, let me say, Mission Haiti is more responsible for the orphans. And um, I mean, raising funds to support them. And Hard Hands and Hope for Haiti, they help with the pastors. Like twice a year, they send in containers of 
stuff like clothing and food and so on and help the leaders. They also bring in um, groups and some of these groups might do medical clinics that you go out to the people. Go to the people. Right. And they also do building projects. Mm-hmm. Um, it, with When Matthew came, we had 29 of 30 five churches down in the south. Wow. 29. Mm-hmm. And uh, the groups came in and started building them. But with what we, the problems we had in the country last year, then the groups were not able to come in. I missed 16 groups who had planned to come in. They had to cancel. Mm-hmm. And then where they went last year, they had to go back this year. Uh, because they're still not sure, we're still not sure about the situation in Haiti about people coming in and be safe. So um, we are not having very many people come this year. Just a few. Just a few. And um, so the uh, Hard Hands and Hope for Haiti, they take care of like helping with building projects and also to help to um, encourage leaders, give them clothing, food to separate in their villages and things like that. That's, that's a good lesson. Um, I asked you how you cope with a lot of responsibilities, and part of what you're saying, I think, is that you accept the help of others that you can assist to. you. You have to, sir. Yes, and, and to de- delegate off to others that can do well right. things that need to be right. done. And that's a good lesson. I know that you're a woman of prayer. I know that you are talking to the Lord about all things. And that lowers anyone's uh, anxiety as a Christian. When we pray, uh, we, we're no longer anxious. But when we're anxious, sometimes we no longer pray. That's so true. Sir. <laughs> but I was going to say, too, that the work of the churches in Haiti, they are separated into areas Mm -hmm. and so in one area we like in the north we have a pastor who oversees about 39 churches and in the south we have one that oversees about I think he's up to 39 now too and in the central plateau we have about three pastors overseeing the churches there. So I do have to hear and do a lot of hearing and doing, but as you can understand, most of it is on the shoulders of these other leaders. That sounds biblical. Uh, Jethro told Moses he needed to get a lot of good men (laughs) around him to judge the children of Israel. Phyllis, it is such a delight to have this conversation with you. You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to this service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or 
You can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments, and you can write us at eocradio@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior. <laughs>